Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Late Night with Denzel. I hope everyone's having a great Monday. It's the start of the week. Normally, Mondays are known for a terrible day, but today has been a great day. I'm off, recording this podcast, we chilling. Have a guest with me today. They were also off, they're chilling. So just good vibes all around. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode four of Late Night with Denzi. Today, the topic is going to be capitalism. And I have my guest with me, Jimmy. How we doing, Jimmy? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you for asking and thank you for being on today. I appreciate you taking the time and being on the fourth episode of this podcast. Of course, of course. So I knew I've known Jimmy since middle school. We went to the, we went to Cashman together. I think sixth grade. Yeah, sixth, sixth grade? grade. Yeah, and we were always known as the two math kids. We were very excel. We were excelling in math compared to everybody else. People would always copy our homework <laughs> or ask for answers. Whenever we would turn in a test, they would go up. They'd take the test to copy off of our test. It was a whole system. And we were in the same team in the same classes really until eighth grade. After eighth grade, we went to different schools. I went to Southwest. Where'd you go? I went to Clark. Went to Clark. I remember that because you went all the way to Calc 3, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nerd. (laughs) So he went to Clark, went to Southwest. We didn't talk anymore. But out Southwest, I met Brandon. And he was a really good friend in high school. So when he went to college, you met Brandon in college. Yeah. So then that's how Jimmy and I started talking again through Brandon. And the rest is really history. It's been... One hell of a ride, I guess. Yeah, it's been a long couple of years. Right, ever since those middle school days, we definitely changed, learned a lot. Don't go to school, we just work. <laughs> what else? That's really about it. I re- the One of the things that I always remember about you was you were always tutoring me in math. Because at one point I was slowing down. Once ha- calculus hit, I was like, nope, I need help. Calculus too specifically, and you were there to help me out, so I appreciate that. So yeah, so today's topic is capitalism really in the terms of greed, happiness, and complacency. We see it all around us, the people that we work with, uh, our parents, millionaires that we find motivation from, literally everywhere. So we're just gonna talk about that. So the first question I wanna get into really is the baseline of everything. Why does everybody work? What do you think, Jimmy? Uh, Well, everyone's mostly just working for money, right? If you're working, you're trying to make a living wage, you need to pay for what you're doing. You need to pay for food. You need to pay for shelter, everything of that sort. Um, some people actually work for enjoyment. Maybe they find their career fulfilling. Maybe they find their job um, help helpful towards society. So they enjoy working for that. And then in that terms, they won't have to work for money. But most of the people you see that are working, say, in retail or in restaurants, they don't really enjoy their career. They're just doing it for money. Here in Las Vegas, that's a very common factor, especially on the Strip. You see a lot of, a lot of servers, a lot of um, hospitality workers. They're, they're just working for money. They don't really find their career like fulfilling. They're just serving to serve because it makes a lot of money here, because the tourism is so big. Right, and people really are slaves to their jobs sometimes too, because especially if we need that money out of necessity, we have to work, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to enjoyment of their career, what percentage do you think, or what percentage of people do you think really enjoy their jobs? Honestly, I haven't looked into statistics, so I can't really say exactly how many people have or do enjoy their careers uh just from the people i know though maybe like five to ten percent only um but that's more because i'm working in the hospitality field and people are just working to work Mm -hmm. instead of people who are working because they enjoy their job gotcha what have you found like out of those five percent of people, what do they work in? Do they also work in that hospitality industry? They just enjoy it because it is hospitality, or do they work in different sectors that they end up finding their passion for? 
most people I know that enjoy hospitality, they just enjoy like helping people or like talking to people. Of course, serving's not like their number one most uh, sought after job, but it helps encourage them to have conversations with people and lets them have conversations with people. Whereas if they were working at an office uh, job, for example, they wouldn't be able to. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember in psychology, it was like freshman year of college. I took this class. In the class, we had an assignment where you pretty much go left or right for decisions. And one of the questions was, would you prefer to make a lot of money and not be happy or make a little bit of money or a sufficient amount, obviously, just to get by and be happy? Which one of those two would you fall in? I ended up falling into, I would rather make less money and be happy than making, we'll say, double the money and not being happy. So the thing I see that in terms of is if you're happy and you're making a little bit of money, do you ultimately want to be doing that for your whole life? Or if you're unhappy and you're making like a lot of money, then maybe you can reinvest that money that you're making. So if you're making double the money, you could invest twice the or your entire salary basically just straight into investments if you're living at the same rate or same pace that you were living at if you had a less paying job. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like sacrificing X amount of time in order to gain the money, even though you're not happy to end up being happy at the end. I know my mom did that for a lot, working at the casino for 15 years in order for her to build her business and do something that she loves now in order to be happy at the end i mean i think it ultimately depends on the person um i see it in terms of if i make enough money to retire i can go do whatever makes me happy whenever it makes me happy as long as it doesn't involve spending too much money got you i saw a report the other day that said the amount of money that you need to be happy is seventy thousand dollars the happiness level in this survey that was conducted, did not increase after making $70,000 $70, a year. What do you think about that? Well, it all depends on the person, of course. Um, my kind of view is more on minimalism. It's more keeping things down to a minimum um, and just living with the essentials. For me, my essentials are clothing, of course, food, of course, shelter, a bed, all the basics, but uh, one of the big things that I enjoy is uh, playing games on a PC. Um, I spend most of my excess time playing games on a PC, and if I could make a living off of that, that would be great. But for now, um, I just have those five things. Off of those five things, I would say I spend around three thousand dollars a month i keep track of all my expenses so i know exactly how much i'm spending how much i'm saving and things of that sort um any excess money i'm making is always going to be invested or i'm going to try to find a way to um, better myself or progress myself in some sort of way that extra money is also for now i uh, invested in a couple of things that didn't pan out so I'm paying those now, but hey, we gotta live and we le we live and we learn. You gotta make those failures in order to understand where that money goes. Yeah. So right now, do you believe that if you gain more money, your lifestyle will change? Because a lot of people fall into that as well. I'm guilty of it. Is when I make more money, I spend more money instead of keeping those instead of keeping the same baseline of spending while increasing my income. So then I save and invest more. That was something that was very hard for me to do, especially 18, 19, 20. I mean, now it's easier for me to do it now, but if my income raises, then my spending raises. What do you think about that? Like, uh, in, in your experiences, have you struggled with that, or are you since you're, are you really good with money? As you just stated, you track everything down to the penny. So what has it, how, what has been your experience? Um, before, I was making about twenty four thousand dollars a year, so I was spending a lot more than I'm I was making. Um, 
now I'm making 60k, but I'm spending uh, still about $36,000 a year around there. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I'm not paying for housing because uh, my mom is fortunate enough to have a uh, have a house, to have things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to pay for housing. So I'm only spending about $2,000 a month. And then that extra $1,000 is just going towards payments. And always, ultimately, it's always going to go towards investing. I've spent maybe... I'm 23 now. I spent maybe fifty or sixty thousand dollars in invest in investments in the past five years already. Um, but ultimately, I'm just looking for that those couple of things that I can invest in that um, lead to residual income. What avenues have you invested that have resulted in something that you enjoy or really really like investing into? And things that you fell flat, and what were the reasons that they fell flat? Whether it's stocks because you just invested in the wrong stocks, or you don't enjoy stocks, or you did real estate, or try to get into Airbnb, or what? What have? What are those topics and mediums that you went through? So most of the stuff I've actually invested in is education focused. Uh, a lot of it's real estate education because that's what I feel is the best investment in general. Uh, it's the most long-lasting investment because people will always need houses, of course. Agreed. Um, right now, I'm in school for my real estate license, so hopefully that avenue will take off, and then I can... Uh, it's actually a lot easier to find inventory when you're a real estate agent than if you're just an investor yourself. And then um, right now, I'm waiting... I'm supposed to be getting paid back from a couple of my investments too um, because they're offering refunds. They're just trying to go through with a lawsuit for one. And then one of my friends owes me a lot of money too. Okay. Let's, I, I won't mention them here. Yeah, for, for another day or for another story, yeah. right? When it comes to real estate, everyone, every millionaire that I follow has always said real estate, like you said, is the longest lasting thing because everyone's always going to be need housing regardless mm -hmm. and then the market it's an appreciating asset mm -hmm. right so it's always good to invest in one of the things that i don't enjoy about being a real estate agent when i was one was working with family and the other pe other thing is people when people come to you they're like hey i want to buy this house they're like okay cool can you afford it no so a lot of times they want a house that they cannot afford or then vice versa when they can't afford a house that they want they're just very picky and very particular which makes sense because the house is probably one of the like the biggest investments you'll make in your life mm -hmm. as a as a client but it was just such a difficult path for me i remember one of my clients i showed them 60 houses before falling on one that we finally closed a deal upon and you're right when it comes to the information that an agent has compared to an investor it's immense just the tools that we have on the mls and this thing called rpr you can ask about any type of demographic, uh, the age, the average age, the medium household income, and all these other things, and it's just insane. So you said you're going to become or trying to get your license within the next month. Mm -hmm. Do you plan on doing being an agent long term, really just for yourself as an investor, or really just to get your own clientele and make th that your business? Um, ultimately, I I want to end up just as an investor. Um, I want to start off helping people uh, buy houses. And since I'm in the service industry, I kind of understand like the struggle of finding the right place, of finding the correct fit for people. So I'm a little bit more patient when it comes to that. Um, but maybe probably four or five years down the line, um, it's ultimately just gonna be for myself for investing purposes. My ultimate goal is to have two or three houses that are cash flowing about a thousand each, making three thousand a month. Um, and then from there, it doesn't really matter what I do with my money, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I can just live off of what I'm earning and then I can kind of figure out what I want to do with my life. Gotcha. Do you believe that? after all the money that you're going to make, do you believe money is a good tool to use? Like, I've always defined it as a tool where 
the money itself shouldn't bring you happiness or shouldn't you shouldn't be really greedy with money, but the way you use money has to be smart, so you have to use it as a tool. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, so the thing I see in a lot of people is they kind of hoard money towards themselves, at least in the United States, it's a capitalistic society. Um, people like keeping things to themselves, people like earning money for themselves or like their very close family. Um, and they don't really like sharing in public. If you go out to any other or a couple of other countries like Japan, like uh, China, they don't really mind sharing or indulging like friends. Um, they enjoy giving company or giving money and spending on their friends rather than um, just keeping it for themselves. Um, I think that's more of an American problem as a society rather than a um, a individual problem, I guess. If you look at it in the sense that uh, we have probably one of the largest homeless populations in the world, it's more because we're not willing to give as much as we receive and if you look at uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk they have so much money that they have more than they could possibly spend but they're keeping it to themselves rather than trying to help out society building like homeless shelters or anything like that it's more so they see it as a security blanket for themselves and it's for themselves not for the world um, and a lot of people don't see it as helping when you help out a homeless person a lot of people see it as oh if I give this homeless person money they'll go spend it on drugs or they'll go spend it on something cigarettes or they'll go spend it on something that's not good for them but most of the people that we're giving money to, uh, they end up spending money on their essentials because they need it. They're not homeless by choice. If they could live in a house and provide for their family, they would, but a lot of people don't have that option for them. I like the point that you made that it definitely is more of an American thing. I also find it that in third world countries, such as Dominican Republic, money is a huge driving source because everyone's just so poor and they're all driven by materialistic items. So all they want is materialistic items for themselves. So whenever I go back to DR, they're like, oh, you have an iPhone. Can I get an iPhone or can I get a PS5? Or they just ask for all these materialistic things because I believe that they're just focused on the wrong things to use with money. I, When it comes to the point of homelessness in the sense of if I give money to a homeless person, they're probably going to give it to drugs. I kind of see a little bit of that point. The, like you said, the majority of people are not homeless by choice. I saw this documentary that showed a family that I think the wife messed up the whole family. So then the husband and the two daughters had to go live at a homeless shelter because they ha literally had nowhere else to go. He, they, uh, his whole immediate family was out of the country and lives outside the country. And because he wanted to stay in the United States for more opportunity, he had no other choice but stay in a homeless shelter. But when it comes to giving money, especially in here in Vegas, I feel like that is a huge issue. I feel like a lot of people are addicted to gambling, and some of them are that. But again, a very small percentage of it. Mm -hmm. But I have a friend or an old friend of mine that I went to elementary school with, and she has a nonprofit called Can You Spare a Story? And her whole nonprofit is you get to learn the story of each person that you're helping. And they shows how they got homeless, what they plan on to doing with the money, how the person themselves wants to better themselves with the money that you're getting or the clothing that you're donating. And I support that 100% mm -hmm. because I know exactly where that money's going. I know every single person's story, and I know they just want to be better, and they won't throw that money away. So it really just depends on the mentality of the person as well. Uh, when it comes to the billionaire point, I agree with you 100%. I know that Elon Musk just tweeted the other day saying that if there was somebody, what the, forgot what organization it was, mm -hmm. where it said if they created a really good plan and 
showed exactly where $6 billion would go. He would donate $6 million to end world hunger. I think it was world hunger specifically. Okay. So, I mean, I guess people are trying to do something in the world. Like now you saw the Save the Trees campaign yeah. and then the Ocean campaign. I believe there are people out there to help. I just wish there was more. And then every single person that I know that I've looked up to that has been successful has always told me that your success is not by how much you make but by how much you give. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm always very giving because you would just always have that good karma, we'll say. Obviously you don't do it for karma karma, because if you do it for karma then you won't get that back. But if you just do it out the kindness of your heart, helping people out on the street, even if you only have five dollars in your pocket and you're like, okay, I have five dollars in cash, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. There was this other guy. I went to go buy candles the other day at Bath and Body Works, mm -hmm. at right here in Boca Park, and there was a guy playing the violin. Played it beautifully, but he had a sign next to it saying, "Hey, I just lost my job because of COVID. Lost my house because of COVID. I have two dollars. Help me out." And every single person around there was putting in money. And he also put his cash app and his Venmo, and everyone was sending him that and complimenting him on his playing skills and that he was genuine about helping his daughters. So there's a lot going on in that whole point, I guess. One thing I do want to add to that, um, one of the real estate entrepreneurs, uh, his name's Grant Cardone. He's one of the largest real estate uh, investors in the nation uh, he has over billions of dollars in real estate uh, commercial real estate invested in commercial real estate and he actively seeks investors um, to kind of put in money as well he uh, when he started out he was still in college of course he finished his degree but one thing that happened to him was he went to eat dinner at an all-you-can-eat buffet and it was $8.99 for him and he had $23. He spent $8.99 to pay for his meal. He tipped out uh, the waitress so he had maybe like $13 left. Um, there was a wife and a kid that walked in and the kid wanted to treat his mom to some food. But the kid, of course, doesn't have a job, doesn't have the money. Um, Grant Cardone, he spent his last $13 giving it to the kid to basically pay for his mom's meal. And you see, you, you see it as you're helping society or you're using money as a plentiful source even if you don't have it. Um, and in that sense you're giving more than you actually have and then for his story he ended up going home and receiving a check in the mail the next the very next day for a thousand dollars because he was owed a thousand dollars by someone else but the way he saw it was oh i'm just helping out i'm just spending money as a plentiful source it's not something i need to keep to myself it's something that i can help society with and at the end of the day, when we die, none of, it com none of us comes with it. None of it comes with us, excuse me. So you have to use it up, in my opinion, and use it for good things, right? But really going into, like, a side topic within that, you just said he had $23 left and used it all. Obviously, in today's age, probably wouldn't do that because of how we have to roll. We, have, we worry about our own expenses. How much money do you believe should be dedicated to each part of your life? So I know if you put it in a religious sense, I don't necessarily agree with it, but you know, in a religious sense, 10% of your income should go to the church. That's your donation part portion. I have a friend that gave me a budgeting uh, Excel spreadsheet just so I could manage my own budget through that same spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And I believe he had his set to about 20%. So... And then, you know, 50% for a living, 10% for entertainment, 10% for investing. What what do you normally fall into? Um, I keep track of all my expenses. Uh, let me take a look here. I spend about 60 or 70% on living expenses. Um, I don't spend too much 
on myself in terms of like self-indulging and I'm not religious as well so most of my income um, or 60% of my total expenses are going to be living expenses I spend like 60% of my income about 60% of my income and my ultimate goal is to spend that extra 40% towards investing uh, because if you invest early, you can always retire early. That's the way I see it. True. Um, as long as you're putting it into a valuable asset, um, then you can always reinvest, I guess, is the way to say it. Um, if you're investing in the stock market, the stock market ultimately is always going to go up, even if it crashes in the short term. Uh, if you're investing in real estate, it's always going to go up. The value is always going to go up, even if it's precious in the short term. Um, I don't spend too much on material items either because I am a minimalist. Um, I spend like a little bit of money on entertainment because it's something I want to build a career around as well. So spending a little bit money to build something like that is fine but ultimately I think it's just a matter of how you see money um, and how you want to spend it rather than um, how, how much percent of your money you're spending because I could say oh I spend 80% of my money on living expenses and I only spent 20% on other things but that's because I'm not actively going out and buying things because I don't enjoy going out and buying things. Gotcha. Spending money for me is not an enjoyment. Like going out to eat, I don't find too much enjoyment other than fine dining. Maybe I'll go like once every two months. And that's like a self-treat or self-indulgent for an achievement or something like that. But if I'm not going to be indulging, then why would I spend that money? Right. So because you always prefer to take that and invest it anyways. Yeah. Gotcha. I wish I was kind of like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I have learned recently that as long as I'm okay, money will always come in. If that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. I was always explained by my spiritual counselor mainly, that money is like, kind of like a pendulum. Mm. So you're always going to have money, and there's going to be one time where you're going to have nothing, and then it's going to swing right back up. But you're always going to have two high points and one low point, meaning you're always going to have more money as long as you are doing the right thing always. Mm. You put in good energy in good places. But obviously, you're not going to have any. I remember during high school, I didn't have any money. I literally had $10 to my name, and those $10 I found in the trunk of my car, and they were all in quarters. And then I remember the very next week, I got paid back because someone owed me money. The paycheck was larger than normal for work, and then my birthday was right around the corner. So everything literally just hit, and I got a huge influx of money. Same thing with when I left Amazon to work with an old professor of mine, Papano, and he didn't pay me. The last paycheck I made was $5,000 through a real estate check. Then I literally used all of it in order to maintain myself because I wasn't technically working. I literally had no income, and I didn't have any clients at the time either. Mm -hmm. Went down to literally zero again, and then I got paid for my insurance once I got crashed. So I got paid $16,000 for my car once I got in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So it's just always been a pendulum for me. Then I used all that $16,000 to move out and invest into a place that didn't result, people who know that story because of my whole ex and stuff, didn't have any money, and then I got paid for the medical side of my of my accident. So then I got another 20 grand from that. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I've always been in a pendulum. Even though I try to use that money to invest because I do have money invested in the stock market, and I try to make small investments in real estate whenever my mom, whenever my mom lets me know about them, but I've always, I've always seen it be a pendulum. But I need to work on specifically managing it better and taking a lot of my expenses and investing it for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I've always, I didn't want to risk it. That was always one of my things. I always feared like losing all of it. So if I invest 
two thousand dollars, I don't want to lose that investment, but I have to learn that that's what comes with the game. Mm-hmm. When it comes to how do I word this? When it comes to minimalism, mm-hmm. what do you enjoy? So what are the things that fulfill you in minimalism? So I've always liked clean when it comes to aesthetic wise, I love minimalist aesthetic. That's why I don't really spend too much money on many things. Like I'll need like this charger, for example, just the computer or whatever setup it is. But after the desk and the and the computer, I don't need anything else really in my room. So I don't spend anything. That's why I have no any posters up or I don't have anything else that I really spend money on. So that's what I look at minimalism at, just using the essentials of what you believe you need and spend and don't spend the money and spend the money elsewhere, we'll say. What do you think about minimalism? How do you define it? What works for you? Uh, for me, minimalism is more so in terms for I, I enjoy the looks, of course. Um, something that I very uh, very much enjoy about minimalism is a lot of the rooms or a lot of the setups that they have for minimalism, you could put everything away. So if you have like a pull down bed, you could pull it down and then put it away once you're done with it and have extra space for yourself. You could have a table you could pull, you could pull out of the wall or you could stack up against the wall and things of that sort. I, uh, I enjoy the looks of it um, because it's very, very sleek, very clean. Uh, ultimately, it's like a very nice look for it. Um, but for m- in terms of like spending money, minimalism is you only need to spend money on things you absolutely need. So I only spend basically all my expenses are food. Let's take a look. I've spent most of my money on food. Uh, a little bit on entertainment. Um, I have a gym membership for um, for exercise, and then I spent a little bit of money on entertainment, but everything else is investments. Okay. So I've spent maybe like eighty to ninety percent of my income on the essentials, and then the rest is all going to go towards investments. Do you strive to take whatever base you have and make it smaller? So say like you indulge in entertainment. Do you try to like lessen that every single time or really just depends on what happens in life? Same thing with your expenses. Do you try to low minimize the amount of expenses that you have? So say like you get a haircut every month. Instead, you'll be like, you know what? I actually look, I'm fine with the way that I look. I'll do it every two months. So that way you decrease your spending. Do you find yourself doing that a lot? Um. Now that I track my expenses, I kind of don't look into too much detail. Um, I kind of have like a set, I want to say like a set budget for myself. If I if I personally want to spend like less than $2,000 a month, which I have, if I have that extra cash flow or I have that extra money uh, that I want to spend on entertainment or if I want to go get a haircut, then that's fine with me. Um, but my total expenses are always going to be less than 2000 no matter what I'm doing. Gotcha. So you move pieces around to always meet that rule. So if you want to spend more money entertainment this month, then you take away money in a different category. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So it's just a game of checks Figu- and balances, yeah. really. Gotcha. Figuring out my total expenses. Right. I like an analogy that someone gave me is if you have one cup, that's completely full and you have five different categories, which are your spending category. And then you're obviously the cup of water is how much money you want to spend. You need to be able to pour the cup. Kind of flow it around. Flow it around. Right. So like you said, I can fill the first cup up. So say like this next paycheck, if I budget biweekly, I'd be like, okay, well this paycheck's more for a car payment or more for insurance. Then that cup's going to be filled up higher. Then that means I have to put less water or less expenses in the other cup. I've always that's how someone always that's how somebody always visually explained it because I always like visual representations and things. So when it comes to you and people in general, uh, happiness comes from a lot of different things. Money wise, you mentioned the essentials for yourself. In in econ principle in econ one hundred one, there was only three essentials, which was it uh, clothing, shelter, and food. Yeah, those are considered your only essentials in an econ base. Everything else could be managed. Even transportation, you could 
go buy an electric scooter that costs a thousand dollars and commute with that way, and that's an econ statement. I believe there should be a category. What I've learned within the last year that's helped me feel better because then I'm in a better attitude to make more money is just investing within myself, whether it's getting a haircut because if I look good, I feel good. And then I get mani-pedis once a month because I walk on my feet all day. So to get a foot massage is next level to me. So I take that as a necessity for me. I bank my necessities, though, when it comes to self-leisure, only $200 to a month. So that's where I put that basket in. That way, it's still manageable. But I believe it's still essential. A lot of people that I know like to go out a lot and party. And obviously, that's not essential at all. So I know we don't do that. So we can't really comment on that. When it comes to complacency, though, do you believe humans are always wanting more? Like a point that I mentioned at the beginning was saying when our income increases, also our expenses follow suit because a lot of people don't maintain the same expenses. To be like, oh, now I make double the money, I can go buy jewelry. I can go buy new shoes. Why do you think people are always designed that way? Uh, I think it's when you see more, you want more. Uh, a lot of people see when, see that, oh, I have X amount of money in my bank account. I can go spend X amount of money. But uh, when it comes to like minimalism or things of that sort, you're not really... Uh, you're not really spending that money. You're more so seeing it as how can I, uh, how can I keep my expenses to a minimum? How can I keep everything to a minimum? Mm-hmm. Um, lifestyle inflation is more so, uh, is a thing that people need to be self aware of. Um, of course, like you always, some people want to buy a better house or some people want to get a better car. Um, I'm not that type of person where uh, the size of my house really matters or how good my car drives or looks really matters. If anything, um, the most expensive car I would buy would be a Tesla Model 3 uh, for its self-driving feature only. I wouldn't buy it for um, I wouldn't buy it for the way it drives or I wouldn't buy it for the way um, it accelerates or anything of that sort. Um, the reason why I would buy a Tesla would be for a change of change in lifestyle. Um, housing also for me is not very essential. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people can make a very minimalistic lifestyle of in a small living space. So a lot of people have like 300, 400 square foot apartments that they're living in where everything's set and everything's perfect for them. Um, there's a streamer in, uh, there's a streamer in England that lives in their RV. And they, uh, they live in their RV, they get all of their electricity wired through them are wired to them from their parents' house. Um, so they live on their parents' lot, but they pay rent for everything and things of that sort. Um, but when people want to spend money, I don't see the enjoyment of it. Um, and in terms of that, I don't understand why people always want to like excel in their work because people always want to People keep on saying, oh, I want to climb, but what's the reason for climbing? Like, say you're working at Target right now. Why do you want to be a manager? Because it makes more money. But, okay, so what are you going to go spend that money on? And if you don't have an explanation for that money that you're going to spend it on, um, if it's, for me, if it's not essential, it's not needed. So, oh, I'm making more money now. Okay. what am I going to go spend that money on? Oh, I'm going to invest it. Okay, once you have those investments that are making you what you're making at your job, why do you want to keep making more money? For me, there's no point in it. And uh, a lot of people 
they like seeing it as like a social status, I guess. The more money you make, the better you look to your friends or the better you look to other people in your family. And a lot of families like pushing that agenda on their children because they like seeing their children successful or they like seeing um, seeing the money come in for them. Like they, they have a house or something like that. But ultimately, it's not essential to uh, to want more. It's more so programmed into us to always want more. So why why can't people be happy being complacent? Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. We def it really is a problem within ourselves. Whatever we defined happiness or success to be. I know for a long time, once I was a car guy, I needed my car to be one of the best cars. I needed to build it a certain way. And after I crashed my car, it was really told me, I was like, yeah, I'm not really materialistic. I don't care that my car is gone. I'm not sad about it. I'm not crying like I know a lot of other people within the community would be. And I was like, this shouldn't bring me happiness. My car shouldn't bring me happiness. And that's why I really did that. So I was stuck into that whole complex for a while. When it comes to a bigger house, the same thing. It's all social status. Have you heard of the 16 personality traits before? Like, everyone has 16 personalities. Have you heard of that? So you know how one of the characters is whether it's intuition or it's sensory. Mm -hmm. So people, a lot, 78% of people within this realm, we'll say, are sensory people, where they gain happiness through sensory objects or materialistic things, while the other, is that 21%, 22%, mm -hmm. are intuitive meaning those are the people that you don't need to, a fancy car to be happy because as long as something makes yourself happy, not other people's happy, then that's really what the main objective is. So I definitely agree with a lot of your points. And when it comes to de defining what essential is, it really is the person themselves. Because I've seen people that, like, I had a friend in the past who collected shoes, and he, to him, he believed it was essential. Do I believe it's essential to collect shoes? Definitely not. I don't believe spending, you know, a lot of money on a collection of shoes is essential. But to them it is. So do I respect the fact that they believe it's essential and let them do their thing? Or do I try to tell them, hey, this money should be into more essential things that aren't materialistic? I think it's more so towards the individual, of, again, to feel what they feel is essential. For me, I wear two pairs of shoes uh, every single day. I wear either work shoes, which are non-slip shoes, or my day-to-day -day shoe. Uh, I also have climbing shoes, which are specifically for the gym. So I guess three pairs of shoes. but. If I have extra shoes of those sorts, there's no real point for me to. Um, I also don't really have like a very vast closet. A lot of the clothes I have are free clothes. So a lot of the clothes I have are stuff I get from like conventions or um, stuff I get from joining a club or stuff I get from uh, volunteering or things of that sort. It's not something that I see as essential, even though my significant other does see it as essential. Uh, they have like a closet that's probably like four or five times the size of mine, and they have shoes. They have like 10 or 12 pairs of very expensive shoes as well. But it's ultimately up to the person if it brings them happiness then you can self-indulge and invest or uh, put your money into that and that's the way you enjoy yourself but for me I'm not very a very sensory type of person so a lot of the stuff I'm spending money on isn't going to be um, isn't going to be materialistic and then when it comes to your significant other if you guys, do you guys still have the same ideas of investing in general, though? So when it comes to, and what you just said, like she just has a bigger closet and believes that is essential. But do you guys both agree upon 
the higher essentials or the main point of money or how money should be used as in it's a tool or it's just for investing and really just trying to retire early? Like, do you guys have that same mindset? So uh, as they were growing up, they were kind of raised to uh, to not spend money. Uh, their mom would always kind of guilt trip them into not spending money and uh, say, "Oh, you should spend money for me, but not for yourself." So they have a, they have a lot of money saved up right now. Um, they're nineteen now, and they have around thirty thousand saved up. That's amazing. Yeah, um, but they said that ultimately uh, they want to buy a house. Hopefully next year be when their credit score is built up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, have it managed properly, take care of it, and then ultimately have it pay it for itself. So, okay. yeah, they have the same views as me okay. for the so most part. Yeah, even though, as I, what I love to see is even though the main view can be the same, the way you get to that main view could be completely different. Mm-hmm. So we've been looking at the personal side of happiness and greed and complacency. What do you think about the business side, as in business owners? Do you believe a lot of business owners are very greedy and just want the most amount of money? I know what happens in my experience is, especially in the world of retail, someone will quit. Instead of rehiring to fill in that position, they keep the same amount of workers to fill in that space. Be like, oh, now that I have... 19 instead of 20 because one person quit that's less than payroll but my business is still going to keep rolling so i can save that money of one person because the highest expense in a lot of businesses is labor what do you think about that um i think ultimately a lot of business owners are greedy or are in it for themselves and i think that's more again of america's issue in itself um I work for a company that makes 250K every single month. And the way I see they handle payroll uh, bugs me a lot because they will not pay any employee above $14 an hour. Is that like including tips or are you talking about base pay? Base pay. So base pay, they will not pay anybody over 14. Yeah. Do you believe the work that they're doing should represent 14 though? So, uh, I so the employees that they pay fourteen dollars an hour are the employees that are sushi chefs. Sushi okay. chefs, if they're working in hotels, make a minimum of around sixteen to eighteen, and then they go up from there. Um, of course, they get tips because it's a restaurant. But if you look at a hotel, for example, um. Most of the chefs or the kitchen is making tips or is making money from their payroll. They're not making tips. Um, but for all of our restaurants, every single mom and pop, uh, almost every single mom and pop shop pays their kitchen with tips because it's cheaper for them. Yeah. But right. in a big corporation, it's it should always be. Uh, you're paying the employees with wages. You're not paying the employees with tips. Um, the owner himself, um, he likes paying people with tips because it's cheaper for him. Um, when he opened a new restaurant um, a couple of months ago, and uh, one of the big problems he was having was with tips. Um the total tip pool was around like $7,000. And usually for mom and pop shops, uh, tip split 45, 45, 10 for sushi restaurants. So 45 front of house, 45 uh, sushi bar, and then 10% for the kitchen. The problem he was having was he was paying two servers who he thought were like worth more money, $1,000 in tips. And then every single other server, every single busser was making 300 or less. Even if they were working five or six days. But these people always got consistently $1,000. Yes. Wow. He, he would not change the he would not change the management pay because he was like, oh, they deserve that much. They're the people that are valuable to me. But 
all the other people, they're accessories. They're replaceable. That's the way he felt the business run should run. And the thing that's scary about that is obviously you have personal experience with that, but I believe every single business owner or the majority of business owners have that same exact mindset. Yeah. That's it's, absurd. It's uh, crazy seeing people work that way. And uh, it's more introspective to like actually see the numbers yourself because I'm the one who does all their profit and loss statements. I'm the one who gives all the, them all the papers and they're paying me less than 1% of what they're, or they're paying me 5,000 out of the 250K. So that's, out of 25 so 4% of their income yeah 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 that's yeah it's insane they they will not pay anyone more than 10% of their income well in your situation though I remember they were paying the last guy before you a lot and then they didn't think that you deserve that or the person in that position deserved that so you kind of got messed up because of that whole situation too right yeah um so the person before me was making 9,000 a month yeah um they kind of stuffed me into the position that they were uh, because I fired him. Uh, I ended up doing all of the payroll for the company. I was doing uh, I was doing profit and loss statements for them and things of that sort. Um, I spent about half a year doing all of that work and I actually wasn't being paid 5000 I was being paid 3000 And uh, they talked to me and they told me I was more valuable than the previous accountant, or I was doing the same amount of work as the previous accountant, right? And they were condescending when they told me, oh, you're only doing as much work as a previous accountant, and I'm getting paid one-third of what he was getting paid. That's insane. They have to pay you the same amount or more. In Logically, it, that only makes sense. Yeah, but um, this, this is kind of specific to my company uh, it's in itself, but... They feel that anyone below the age of 30 shouldn't make a lot of money. Uh, they, they feel that um, kids, what they, what they consider kids, should go enjoy their lives or enjoy their lives. And then after they're 30, they should start working. So they basically refuse to pay me more. Nah, just simply because of your age. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, if they're of the same ethnicity, they'll pay them more, of course. Yeah. You find that a lot. I remember seeing a couple stories on TikTok, actually, of of people in the payroll saying that there's a huge discrepancy between male and female, which obviously we know this as a society. Same thing with race. And then some people will be working there for a year compared to somebody else working there for three years will say they're the same value person, but the person working there for you would be paid more than the person with three years. And just hearing all these stories is absolutely insane to me. And then a lot of those people that end up dealing with the numbers end up quitting the company because of how immoral the company is. So I don't know if you're going to fall into that same thing just because you see where the money goes and you're like, how does, how does somebody work like that? I can't work for somebody like this. Obviously, you need the money based off of yeah. What we explained, we definitely need money to live because that's just how a society is structured. But if you find something that's more moral, make the same money, you'd probably leave, right? I mean, uh, I've actually been job searching for the past, like, two or three months. Um, I'm, in it. I'm in real estate school to get my license, of course. Right. Uh, so I can ultimately quit. Mm -hmm. But uh, real estate isn't as... Uh, isn't as consistent as the uh, payroll is. Not at uh, all. Your your check could come every couple of months, could come like uh, very frequently in the same month. Um, it just depends on when you close your deals. Yeah. Um, but uh, as long as you're keeping track of your expenses, it's kind of like easier to manage. Um, I don't know if you keep track of your expenses at all. I started doing that more recently, especially after I moved back in here. I had to, mm -hmm. in a sense. I mean, I don't have much to spend on because I don't pay for rent since I live back at my mom's house. And I don't spend money on a lot of things. 
I don't pay insurance since I pay it off yearly. So, I mean, obviously, I don't worry about that on a day-to-day, but it's in my budget. I don't have a car payment because my car is paid off. Mm-hmm. So, those are, like, my biggest three things I don't really worry about. So, really, the smaller things is really what I manage on, like how many, how much I spend on myself. Gas is another really big one. That's pretty much it. And then I pay for a gym membership and Spotify. I don't have many to, much to spend. Like, the thing that I'm investing right now is in podcasting, whether it's more in gear and and then really it's just investing time rather than money. But yeah. Do you know how exactly how much you spend every month? No. I mean, yes and no. So yes, in the sense of I know I spend $70 a week on gas. I know I spend $150 on haircuts every month. Like I know that to a T. The thing that I need to do is manage the extra like okay, I have I'm like I'm allowing myself $500 to spend, but I don't track that. Does that make sense? So sometimes I go over, sometimes I go less because I don't track that because I'll see something and be like, I want to buy a fire pit. I bought it. Right. So that's that's something I need to work on is that little. And right now I can make that mistake because I still I make double the amount easily than what I spend. Mm -hmm. Right. So right now working at Target, I only make what two grand a month Mm -hmm. isn't much, but I spend less than five hundred dollars. But I definitely need to start writing things down to a T. I told my mom the other day, I told her that I would be saving money every day, but I just keep spending money and investing because I look at every purchase as an investment. Mm-hmm. So what I bought a long time ago was an electric skateboard, or electric longboard, mm-hmm. that in total it cost me $1,000. And to me that's an investment because I'm getting $1,000 worth of use out of it. Like every single, I used it X amount of days. Like I can track it in the app. But it tells me how many miles I've ridden, how many days I've turned it on. Mm-hmm. So to me, as long as I get $1,000 of use out of the thing that I'm spending $1,000 on, I'll take it. That's how I view it in a lot of ways. But what do you consi- consider or how do you categorize how much each day or how much, how many miles is for it? So another econ principle that I learned in econ was there's the monetary value as long as along with the emotional value that comes with everything. Mm -hmm. So each day I would take a dollar, for example. So I was giving this example yesterday to a friend where I said, the reason I spent money on AirPods is because I needed headphones. Why did I spend $250 on AirPods? Because the feature set, right? I thought it was just more convenient. And as long as I use it every day for 250 days, that's a dollar a day. If I use it more than that, and if it lasts me more than that, it's less than a dollar a day, and I'm willing to invest a dollar a day in headphones. That's how I saw it. So with every physical thing, it's different. It just depends on what, how much value I need from it. I think that more depends on the person too, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. For me, if I were to buy AirPods, which I received as a gift, I don't even use them. I don't need them. I don't find them essential. I don't use them for anything. Why do I have them? That's uh, It has a sentimental value of course but for me uh, the essential use of it i don't know why i would spend a hundred dollars on it myself right yeah no i agree with that it really is dependent on how much you use it mm-hmm. so for me the reason i bought a fire pit was because back in the day i would love to just sit around a fire and i used to do it twice three times a week so when i had a party here the other day i was like i want a fire pit so everybody be around but i know and i already put it down on my schedule Every Saturday that I'm off, I'm going to go and light a fire and just relax and be outside. So I know I'm going to get my use out of it. That's how I see it. I guess that's something you consider essential. Exactly. There are different things that I would consider essential. Like when I bought my laptop, I could have bought, what, a $500 laptop to do the same thing. Obviously, it wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be able to game on it. But I still bought, what, I spent $2,600 on this two years ago. Was it worth the investment? I think so, because at least it's powerful enough for me to edit on me to record on, me to game on, mm-hmm. and I still take it everywhere, especially when I started real estate. I was so easy to just unplug a single cord, move it to the office, and I'm working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really just depends on what we believe is essential and how much. My dad always gave me the rule of three with anything. Whenever you want to do something, when it comes to investing or spending your money on something, get three different quotes. Get a low, middle, and a high one. So one that he gave me was like, 
fixing your roof, you're going to get three different quotes from three different companies. One's going to be a low one, one's going to be a middle one, one's going to be a high one because every company's going to charge differently. Then you have to then assess what's the best bang for like best bang for your buck and see if you want to go with the cheaper alternative because you want to spend the least amount of money or is it better to spend another $2,000 in labor or in work of what these this company is offering for it to last longer. So it really, it's really just assessing the investment on whatever the item is. So whenever I go buy anything now, I do I do that a lot where it's I look at three different options. So with laptops, when I bought laptops, I found three different companies, three different laptops of what I liked, all around the same price range. We'll say so. One was this one was twenty six. I found one at two thousand. I found one at fifteen hundred. See, I saw the difference between all of them. Did all my research. Decided that investing the most amount of money was the most optimal play. So the thing I I see in that is. Uh... It's always nice to always look at things that are the same cost as well. Yes. So um, if you're looking at three different options and you say, oh, maybe this most expensive one is the best option. Maybe there are other options out there where it's even better, but uh, you're not taking the chance to glance at it or you're not giving it uh, the opportunity. Um, I know Razer laptops in general uh, they're kind of overpriced for their specs. They are, yeah. Um, so, like spending twenty six hundred dollars on a Razer laptop more is more so for the name or the logo than it is for what's actually inside of it. At the time, it was on sale, so it justified it more. But yeah, you're right. A lot of things are mainly for the name or the label. So to end off this whole thing, since we talked about individual points within money, same thing in the company aspect. Uh, what do you think is the play with money? Like, what do you think is money designed for? How are humans really designed for? Is it good to have a lot of money or should we strive to always have a lot of money or should we just really define within ourselves what our essential needs and are in life and just really live our life around that? I think it's more so we should define our essential needs and live our lives around that. Um, if we're budgeting ourselves, then we get to, uh, we ultimately get to retire. Um, a lot of people receive retirement as like the ultimate escape because um, you don't have to work anymore. You can just uh, live off of what you've made for yourself already. But, the, and there are a lot of tools for that, like uh, IRAs or retirement accounts or annuities or things of that sort. But the thing is, um, a lot of people don't, take a look into it until much later in life. I know for myself, I want to retire by, by the time I'm 30. So uh, for me, investing a lot of my money is like absolutely essential. But for someone else who finds other things more essential and they want to like live a more fulfilling life or they enjoy what they're doing and they wouldn't mind doing it for the rest of their lives, um, then they can spend a lot more time doing what they love. What do you think the ultimate goal of money should be? Ultimate goal of money should just be for self-indulging or for, or f uh, at least for the essentials. And then after that, just for self-indulging. I see it as at the end of the day, your goal is to retire. So the full end goal is to self-indulge. Yeah. Be able to self-indulge comfortably with the money that you obtain. Mm -hmm. How you get that or when you get that really de depends on who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. For you, you're defining it to be super early because you want to retire by 30. Yes. Meaning money right now has a much different value than somebody else at our age. Yes. So like the definition of money to me right now is a little slower. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like I will probably do exactly what you do a little later in life because my goal is to retire around 45. Mm -hmm. 
So it really just depends on what stage of life we're in. But at the end, the money should just be a tool to self-indulge in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. In the short run, you should take the money and, or, and use it in the way so you can reach that end goal. How you do it depends on you. That's it, I guess. I, I don't know. Like yeah. That's how I see it. Like Right now, I am indulging, for example, I'm indulging more on myself and investing more in myself mm-hmm. just for happiness because right now, I'm not the happiest I've ever been. So the system that I have to spend more money or put more out of my budget into myself, I'm okay with that at, at, my, at this point in life. Mm-hmm. Soon, I can't be doing that. I can't be spending... $200 on myself for self-enjoyment. I should be able to take that, put it from $200 to $50 and be able to take that $150 and invest it somewhere else. So then I could be able to do that more in the future. But why not keep that same budget when you're making more money? Exactly. Just keep, just keep it at 200 Right. So there's two ways of doing it, right? Because you could either increase your expenses, sorry, decrease your expenses or increase your income and the ideal is to do both, right? Mm-hmm. So... If I keep the same income, then obviously I have to decrease my spending mm-hmm. or my expenses. So my goal is always to increase the income, then. but life has other things. So if I stay at Target forever, obviously I only have $2,000 a month to work with, so I need to be able to decrease my expenses if I want to do something more with that $2,000 mm-hmm. until I make $5,000 soon a month, then I'll be able to take the exact same lifestyle I have and be able to still live more comfortably. Mm. Yeah, that's that's where it's at. Well, thank you very much, Jimmy, for coming through. Of course. I appreciated the conversation. I remember originally you said you weren't much of a talker, but we're here an hour in, which is the which is the goal. <laughs> we're here an hour. We made it to the to the ultimate threshold. I'm kidding. It, we could com- conversate for less or more. It's all really the vibe at the end of the day. If you guys enjoy this episode, let me know. Let me know uh, what you guys think about capitalism and spending money on yourself and the business side and every single topic. Even if we didn't go into it that much, I still want to hear your opinions on it. As always, you're listening to Late Night with Denzi. Jimmy, any final thoughts? Any final words? No, I don't got too much else to say. You got a message for the people? You want to shout anybody out? You want to shout out your socials? You want to do anything? I don't really use social media. Um, I find it pointless because it's all just idealization of people's selves that is worded very beautifully and i completely agree because we, we went into that first episode with josh i'm sorry second episode with josh but yeah so no social medias but if you see jimmy in the future if you see him at a future event say what's up to him again i'll catch y'all in the next one